Hello and welcome to the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. My name is Jack and I am, as always, joined by Grayson and Blake. And you are, if you're joining us, you are tuning in for part three of our mini series uh, that we're doing on the topic of lust and sexual sin. So if you missed the first two episodes, they'll be the ones pretty much right before this that aren't labeled bonus episode. We would encourage you to go back and listen to those because this episode is going to continue to build on that. Um, last time we talked uh, specifically about three reasons and looked in depth at this, why people take the risk, why they, why they indulge in lust and sexual sins, despite the, the awfulness of them. Right. Uh, so we looked at that and then we, we ended up and kind of wrapped up the last, last episode, looking briefly at the seventh commandment. Uh, we'll summarize that quickly here in a moment, but the primary focus of this episode uh, is going to be to extend that discussion a little bit and look at Jesus's application, his words about mm -hmm. the seventh commandment. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you again for listening, for everyone that's been following us for the past year and a half. Uh, we're officially, I think, a little over a year old, 50-something um, up or 40-something episodes in, I think, at this point. So we're moving yeah. along. Thank you for following. Um, if you haven't, if you listen to us on the podcast, uh, you can always find us on YouTube. You can look at our uh, ugly faces on YouTube if you want to see that. Yeah. Uh, and comment. So I want to say that if you go comment, you can talk about anything you want. You can tell us. You like Blake's antlers. Not anything you want, but <laughs> yeah, within within let's let's keep yeah. it keep it family rated. Yeah. Um, the, maybe you like Grayson's sweatshirt, and you want to let him know that. Well, you could go. You could go right now. You could do it if you wanted to. You could go on YouTube and let Grayson know that you really like I would like just like to know <laughs> that before we started recording, Grayson or J, uh, Jack said, I'm going to move through the intro really quickly hey, so that I'm, we can get to the content. I'm under two well, minutes yet. Here we are. Talking about, now you're not under two minutes. Let's see. What don't you guys are interrupting? Grayson, I was, on, I was like, on a roll. Do you like Grayson's painting? Do you like Grayson's sweater? <laughs> do you like Grayson's glasses? <laughs> But if you go comment, the point is, yeah. if you go comment, it helps, it helps, it helps the algorithm. Yes, it helps, it helps the algorithm. People can find yeah. us. So yeah, exactly. uh, if you're not a YouTuber, that's fine. I'm not either, to be completely honest. Um, I, I like traditional podcasts that way, but I recognize that it does help. So yeah. anyway, if you can, that'd be great. If not, no big deal. Thank you for listening. Yep. Rate Seventh us on commandment. Spotify. Rate us on Apple Music. Yep. Um, and then the other thing I think we were going to say was uh, the nature of the content of this episode, oh, yes. just like That's the last two episodes, though it will not be crass, uh, it is a heavy subject. And so if you're listening with little kids around or something like that, you may just want to uh, shuffle them out of the room or wait until uh, they go to bed or something. Um, but that's we will leave that at your discretion. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so to pick it up where we left off, the seventh commandment uh, is very short, straight to the point. Exodus 2014 says you shall not commit adultery. And we talked again about this a lot last episode, uh, but Blake, do you want to provide a quick summary? Maybe bring us up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. So clear back in episode one, we talked about the, uh, the importance of marriage uh, that God created it, what marriage constitutes all these different things. Uh, as we moved into the second episode and we began talking about the seventh commandment uh, and some of those things, what we saw was that the point of the seventh commandment is to safeguard that gift of marriage that God has given us. Uh, it promotes the flourishing of the family. It forbids all forms of uh, sexual sin. Um, and sexual sin, we went on last time to uh, kind of define some of that. 
uh, anything that is outside of uh, a heterosexual relationship between a man and a wife. Uh, we talked about uh, you know the Greek terminology of, of porneia, kind of that junk drawer term of sexual sin. Uh, we talked about homosexuality. Uh, we talked to, uh, we touched on the issue of uh, lust uh, really being the root of adultery and how uh, adultery is really a matter of the heart, which actually just springboards us right into uh, Matthew chapter 7, because Jesus takes uh, what seems on the surface, on, on, on the surface of the seventh commandment to be an external commandment, just don't commit adultery in, in the same way that the Bible tells us not to commit murder. Yeah. Uh, Jesus takes that in Matthew 5, and he unfolds uh, the true meaning of what's going on there. And so when he begins speaking then in Matthew chapter 7, or Matthew chapter 5, rather, uh, now I've got to find the passage here. You mean, you mean uh, to read it? Or you yeah, verse 27, I've got it. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Hmm. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Um, Jesus with a little classic hellfire and brimstone preach in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what we've seen with marriage up to this point is God's purpose for intimacy. Uh, the Old Testament law is very clear that adultery is wrong. Sleeping with somebody else's spouse is wrong. And just like the, well, the Pharisees, Right? Like, what is the Pharisees' big problem? They're so focused on the externals that the internal it doesn't matter. It's they're, right. they're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones, right? Mm. And I think we mentioned this last time. Um, the temptation might be to look at the seventh commandment and say, well, I've never committed adultery. I've never physically cheated on my spouse, or I haven't slept with somebody else's spouse, therefore I'm clear. But again, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue um, when he really brings about that adultery is not only um, uh, it's not the only thing to avoid in that command yeah. and that it's not just an external behavior, uh, but Jesus goes for those internal uh, motives. He goes for those internal thoughts uh, and he begins unfolding some of that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, you know, the, there's there's this always this conception of Jesus like the the modern buddy Jesus love mm-hmm. you, know, you can use love people and stuff. Jesus was like tough. I mean, he was tough and serious on like unbel- you know he's holy, right? But just the way that he goes after anger and lust in particular, yep. yeah, it takes down every person on the face of the planet, right? Right. I mean, you could look you could say that about a lot of sins, but. Mm-hmm just the nature of the sinfulness and how it goes to the core and the heart of the person. Jesus is essentially condemning the entire world in -hmm. these texts. Like who is above this? Who's above anger? 
who's above heart, who's never looked at someone with a lustful intent. Like, it's just like, my goodness. Right. Yeah. And well, it just gets us into those uses of the law, right? Exactly. Exactly. That like it, he's, it, he's point, it, it and it was always us. there. Yeah. Right. It's not like he changed yeah. it. I don't, I don't want to be right. clear. He didn't change it. This was always the case. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like saying, right. when this was said way back, way back when, it was always about the heart. Mm-hmm. It was always well, about the it, heart. He brought a certain intensity to it where he's showing people yeah. like there is a radical. I mean, this is perhaps where we might differ in terms of continuity, discontinuity stuff, but uh, he is intensifying the law, you know, because yeah. a man could look and say, by the letter of the law, I have obeyed. But again, the, the mere external trappings of that um, is the whole issue he's dealing with, of course, and bringing it back again to the heart level of just saying, look, the the whole point of the law was for you to understand that before God, you are a sinful being, right? James, right. when he talks about breaking just one law, what does it make you? Well, it makes you a lawbreaker. You're guilty mm-hmm. of breaking the whole law. Right, um, right. So it's the same, the intensity being brought forth, um, holding everyone's feet to the fire, so to speak, that no matter who you are, you're guilty before God. He's thrice holy, and you stand no chance to be on your own merit. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah, so, so Gracie, you bring up an interesting point about the continuity versus discontinuity thing here. And this, this, and I'm actually encouraged by this because people, because we joke around, right? Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, if you follow the page, you know that, but here's the thing where like, if we were to spend time arguing about the, to me, right. If I were to spend time arguing about the continuity of, of you shall not commit adultery and what really flows into what Jesus is saying versus not saying, I think we're yeah. wasting time. You know what I mean? Like we're wasting yep. time. Let's, what did Jesus say? And what did he mean? And how did like, what, what are we doing? Let's talk about how we can apply that. What does that mean for our hearts? What does that mean for our right. spiritual condition? And yep. what is it? What, how does it point us to how great a savior is? And that, that's one thing I love about you brothers and the podcast in general, because people do get bogged down in that stuff. Right. Right. And I'm not saying yep. it's not important. But you're missing the forest from the trees sometimes if that's what you're if, right. if you read that text and that's what you end up talking about. Right. You know, you should yeah. really think about it's, what Jesus is saying. It's yeah. Do you guys important. think that we're morally obligated to return our grocery carts? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. There's a there's an inside joke for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a few things like, so when Jesus is, is, is talking here in verse 27 through 30, uh, there's a few things that he's not saying. And I think we, we might've lightly touched on these last time, but I think it's important just for a quick refresher. Uh, Jesus is not saying that looking at someone lustfully causes a person to commit adultery in his or her thoughts. Um, if you look at someone with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart it's not that lustful looking that causes the sin in the heart, but the sin in the heart that causes the lustful looking. Okay, so that's a very important distinction. Yeah. Uh, another aspect is that Jesus is not saying that sexual desire itself is wrong. Okay, again, you can go back and listen to um, the first and second episode in the series, and we deal with that extensively the purpose of marriage and sexuality and uh, sexual drive and all of those things. And it's unfortunate. Uh, that many churches uh, have left people kind of with this impression uh, that that sex is evil, uh, when in fact it is very good when it is applied in its appropriate context, right? Yeah. Using God's good gift the way 
that he intends. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to be clear on that and not leave, for example, the world to educate uh, Christians and to educate our children and things like that. Uh, the Bible speaks on these things, and so we shouldn't be afraid to also speak on these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, along with that, and I think this is kind of where we're where we're picking up uh, fresh. Um, Jesus here is not speaking about uh, unexpected and unavoidable uh, exposure to sexual temptation. Um, like when a man happens to see a woman who is provocatively dressed, there is this uh, decision point um, where Satan's motive in that would be to tempt the human, right? Yeah. To lust and to fall. Um, but in this regard, and I, I think this has been a topic of debate and um, when it comes to different sins, um, but I don't believe that there is a sin in the temptation if the temptation is resisted and the gaze is turned elsewhere. Um, yeah. If you continue to look in order to satisfy a lustful desire, then that's the thing that Jesus condemns um, because uh, it is evidence of a immoral heart. Yeah. Was it Luther? Was it Luther who said something? And I'm butcher, maybe butchering the quote, but birds will fly overhead, but don't make a nest for them or something like that. Maybe that's good. I've never heard that, but that's, I think it was I Luther. Like it. I'll Google it in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll get the quote right. <laughs> right. I, I think he probably said it better than I did, but, right. but that's the point. Like birds are going to fly over it. Things are going to be around you. Don't right. make a nest for them. Yep. Right. Oh, it's, one of the best pieces of advice that I think I've ever given my son is just sometimes the floor is your best friend because especially in our culture today, you're, you're literally inundated with provocative people. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it can be on, on both sides of the aisle, so to speak as far as male or female who dresses provocatively, right. but yeah. you can't go anywhere without seeing something that is pushing, uh, particularly a sexual agenda to capture mm -hmm. the gaze of either old men, young men, it doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. from day one, um, you walk into any grocery store, even half the time you see a magazine that's just right out in the open, or you see people that are, um, just shopping and dress provocatively. So right. in our day and age, you're literally going to go everywhere and find that this temptation is constantly going to be around. And so the right. Right. the yeah. thing that I go back to with um, all this is, like Job said, um, he made a covenant with his eyes to not lust after other women, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, of course, know what a pill his wife was in the very beginning of the book of Job where she says, curse God and die. Um <laughs> I can't imagine she was just a joy to be around all the time, but the, the point doesn't matter at the end of the day how much he liked her or her not. He was an honorable man who had that set in his base level conviction of to guard his, his eyes and his thoughts that he would not lose. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So the quote, that's great, Grayson. I don't want to pull away from that. But the, the actual quote, Luther said, uh, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Nice. Yep. Now, can you say it in German? <laughs> if you're German, don't be offended. I don't know. Yeah, what, right, right. I don't know what I just said. What, uh, so a little like, so we could like run this in a little scenario. Like, how would things have been different, for example, 
if David goes out on his rooftop in the cool of the evening and he sees Bathsheba bathing and he would have turned away, right? <laughs> gone back inside, not entertained the lustful look. Things would have been I mean, Raya would have been a lot happier. It changes yep. everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it changes, it, it changes so much. Yeah. But yeah, radically would change the entire landscape of, I mean, the entire nation, right? Right. From that point forward, the nation is cursed as a result of David's sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They experience judgment simply as a result of his unchecked and unguarded heart. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he could have looked away. He could have tossed the experience out of mind. It's the fact that he brought her to his chambers, committed adultery. Uh, it's that expression of that immoral desire that already existed in David's heart, which is, you know, which, which should be sobering for us that yeah. the man after God's own heart yeah. has this thing lingering in his flesh, you know, um, he wasn't at fault for seeing Bathsheba bathing, but he was at fault for how he responded to it. Right. Yep. You know? So I think, I think that's something to, for, for both men and women to keep in mind. Yeah. 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 Don't pursue them. And I think, I think that's where, you know, when you think about the, the emphasis and maybe the overstating uh, language that Jesus uses in these applications, right? He's not actually, when he says like cut out your eye or cut off your hand, he's not suggesting you physically do that. But he uses a deliberate overstatement to emphasize the importance of maintaining the devotion and maintaining right. the what, whatever it takes to prevent yourself from going down there, right? Right. So I think the, it, the, it, it, sorry, go ahead, Jack. I, I was, I was just going to say the, uh, the, I think the, Counseling term that gets used often, uh, especially in the biblical counseling world, is radical amputation. Um, yeah. Whatever is causing the sin, you cut it out. Um, and I don't mean mm. as if you literally are taking a knife and cutting it, but uh, you are lopping it off in your life so that way you're not under that temptation anymore. So if you are yeah, a person yeah. who is given to lust, my immediate suggestion is go through your movie library. Go through the different books you have, the magazines that you read, all that kind of stuff, and actually start mm -hmm, to pull out yeah. everything that in right. any way, shape, or form is provocative and just get right. rid of it. Yeah. Right. You, we're you know, gonna, was, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on some of that because at the end here, we're going to talk about some right. you know, points yeah. of application and, and, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think we do ourselves a disservice by saying, well, Jesus isn't, I mean, Jesus is talking about, you know, mutilation here yeah. as a thing. And we're not encouraging anybody to go out and mutilate themselves. Uh, but uh, how about we take some severe steps in our life to stop sin? Yeah. Yep. You know, the thing yeah. that strikes yeah, me yeah, about it, this it, whole thing with David is, I mean, again, like you said, he was a man after God's own heart. And how quickly did this man give in to his lust and his murderous intent to cover up his adultery? So it, how, that it speaks to the nastiness of how sin just really, right. I, I guess, is insidious in your own heart and mind. Yeah. yeah. And, and how you and can quickly get yourself in over your head, too. 
Yeah. You know, because yeah. the, from, from, because so from the time that Bathsheba is found with child, it becomes this gr- this big cleanup game, right? Like, yep. okay, we've got we to gotta cover this. We've got to hide it. We've got to put all the pieces in line and all that stuff. And David almost gets away with it if it wasn't for yeah. God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't yes. for God coming in and messing his whole plan up, you know, yeah. which ultimately, you know, obviously I say that, you know, I say that, uh, you know, jokingly, but ultimately it is the thing that is good for David to be caught in this thing. So one of the things we were encouraging you last time was if you are in sexual sin now, stop before you get caught, you know, like stop before it, before it ends with this big shipwreck and you have to have a prophet standing before you saying you are the man, you know, Uh, why let it continue to build, cut it off now, you know, cut it off now. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it, th- ahead, you know, it's something I think about with this with Bathsheba thing. And I don't think Scripture, I don't think it specifically says this, but it's there by implication. I think theologically that the, it, clearly this sin of lust had been in David's heart already, like it was already there. It just didn't appear the the, the second he he saw her, right? And it, it kind of goes along with what you're saying, Blake. Like, cut it off, radically amputation, whatever it is, whatever you've got to do. If it's there now, do it before it it turns into a Bathsheba Uriah situation. Right. And there's things you can do to say, like, even, yeah, so it's a combination of safeguarding yourself and putting up reasonable and rightful safeguards uh, and then acting violently toward your own lust when it does, you know, weasel its way through the, uh, the the protections that you have put up right yeah well i'll put it this um, way um if you spend half as much energy on trying to kill the sin that you do to hide it you would be much better off for it right yeah yeah that's so good yeah that is yeah. so true yeah um proverbs uh solomon so this is this is interesting again it's just another example of uh man solomon he he drops bombs like this in proverbs <laughs> but then he's also the guy that's got several hundred wives right <laughs> um so you can so you can kind of see that 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 uh that stretch there uh do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes for the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread and the adulteress preys upon your very life get a man scoop fire into his lap that is clothes being burned get a man Walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. A man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does, uh, whoever does so destroys himself. Hmm. If you are indulging lust or another sexual sin, the Bible says you are destroying yourself. You know, and, and you may think like that you're getting away with it. Um, sometimes you see, uh, you know, uh, people in your life and you think, man, they're getting away with sin, coworkers, whatever. Um, but remember the words of Asaph in Psalm 73, then I perceived their end. Mm-hmm. The consequences will come like you will reap the consequences for yeah. Your sin. I mean, there's not a lot of guarantees in life, but that is a guarantee. 
that if you are entertaining lust, you are destroying yourself and your sin will come out yeah. at some point. Even how Solomon portrays it. I mean, all throughout the book of Proverbs entirely is that as you're, as the man is going as a senseless beast to the slaughter in essence. Right. So mm-hmm. there's just, I mean, literally stupidity of the one committing adultery where he's happily walking towards his own death. And you see that language picked up elsewhere where he says he goes into her chambers and yet he is walking down to the depths of shield. Right. So there's a, not only the deliberate intentionality of his own sin, but the consequences of it are unforeseen or perhaps are even foreseen, but for the pleasure that is momentary in the beginning of it, he pursues his own death. Right. Which just shines the light on the importance then of heart purity in this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Jesus hones in on this standard of righteousness, uh, not only purity in action, but that we have purity in thought also. Uh, And so then again, Jesus in verse 29 through 30 talks about how important it is. So important that he uses the illustration, as we mentioned, of lobbing limbs off. Um, to uh, keep yourself from sin. Yeah. So the importance then of the purity comes in. Uh, and I think we mentioned last time also that it's not it, it's not literal mutata- uh, mutilation that's being suggested here. Uh, we've seen monks in church history who have mutilated themselves. Yeah. And then end up writing five years later. Well, that didn't work out. You know. Yeah. What a waste yeah. of time that was, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, so again, that's, that's something to to think on there. There can be extreme measures taken. And, and the sound fact of the matter is, is that most of the time we're not willing to take lesser measures. Yeah. You know what I find interesting Let alone about that? To cut our own hands off. Yeah. Um, the, the way that people will read that passage. Otherwise, like if they take it hyper literally. Um, what they're doing is missing the entire point of Jesus. And he's saying, again, deal with the root issue of the heart. And they're mm-hmm. still looking at it from an external perspective and saying, by doing right. this external thing, I can fix it. And right. Yeah. The yeah. whole point is that you yeah. can't fix it. The urgency right. is yeah. what needs to change. The actual heart attitude that says, I'm willing to forgo even my hand or my eye for the sake of not being cast into hell. Um, you have to have right. a repentant heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we see in that that it's both action and thought, right? Yep. That it yeah. is external, but it is internal also. So right. things working hand in hand. Yeah. Much like it's kind of the, the inward flows outward from the initial point of lust, the inward flows outward to the actions mm-hmm. of repentance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Colossians 3, 4 through 5 when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. First thing that's mentioned, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. Do you have that one, Jack? Yeah, yeah I got it. Yeah, did you get that? Yeah, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. 
because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we have told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Right. That was the uh, part of the text I actually did my very first sermon on. It was First Thessalonians oh, yeah? 4, 1, 1 through 8. Yep. Nice. Um, just a brutal passage, because, I mean, the very next verse, Paul then just says, "If you, and if you reject this teaching, you are not rejecting me, but Christ who gave it. Yeah. So he pulls. You know, that's ultimate. a great way. That's a great way to end your first sermon, too. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like you it? Slam a book down when you. Yeah. Say if you don't like it, it's your problems with God, not me. <laughs> but I mean, notice even in that text, God is the avenger of all these things, right? So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's literally being promised that the, the Lord will avenge sexual immorality against other members of the body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the great fears pastorally, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this as well, is that when you talk about these subjects or really any sin, the big fear is, is that someone within earshot that is hearing it, if they're listening to your sermon or to your podcast or whatever, that there's someone who is continuing against all biblical evidence to justify themselves in their sin. And then when you, you every hear person, things, you mean every person we, who's ever been caught? Yeah. When you hear things like this, yeah, sorry. That you've got that little voice in your head that says, "Well, you don't know. These guys don't know your situation." You know. They don't know how lonely you are. Uh but Blake, we're in love. They don't know how much you're, you know, you're in, but you're in love, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is like, if, if there is a, if you're feeling love He's gonna uh, marry through me. an affair, you're not feeling love. You are feeling lust, right? You're yeah. not in love. You're in lust. That's right. Um, you know, that's, and that's true for most, um, unfortunately for most, uh, sexual sin that is dubbed as love. It's really just lust. It's really just destruction. Uh, that's got some glitter thrown on it and um, the world calls good and acceptable when really it's destructive and, and yeah. you're scooping hot coals into your own lap, expecting not to be burnt. Yeah. I think Go one of the most Corinthians and just ask right. yourself, does, does my characterize, characterization of lust as love fit any of the criteria that Paul has given us in chapter 13? Right, yeah. right. right. So yeah, think about. It. So actually, I have. I'm actually turned there. Uh, l- listen to this. Okay, now take any of these characteristics of biblical love and try to apply them to lust. Okay. Um, think of the Proverbs seven eleven woman. Okay. Uh, the the woman who pulls the man in off the street and all this. Like like is this being exemplified in that scenario, for example, or in David and Bathsheba, or whatever the situation may be? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perf- uh, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And as a child, I spoke like a child. 
I fought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and I shall know. Then I shall now fully, or know fully, rather, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Can any of that be applied to lust? And the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah lust is not long suffering. Lust is not kind. You know, lust, is lust isn't lust is self seeking. That's right? what I was going to say. Yeah. 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 It's very self oriented. Right. I think it was it one of my favorite. I love Andrew Peterson. One, he has a song and he talks about talking about love and marriage. And he says, in he says, what does he say? I'm paraphrasing. I'm like singing it in my head. He <laughs> <laughs> says, love, love is not a feeling in your chest. It's bending down to wash another's feet. Oh yeah. Yep. It's kind of a simple, simple step, but it's true, right? Love is, mm-hmm. love is emptying yourself for another person. It's a choice. Right. Love is a, is an act of choice. If in, in, in adultery is a, is, is a runaway of passions, right? right? Yes. Um, everything about, like we talked about it before, but the, the original commandment was in the positive sense was to preserve families, was to preserve marriage. Right. Like right. it's to preserve and protect marriage, the sanctity of that. Right. And I think it was um, like that book you recommended, the 10 commandments book by Watson. Mm-hmm. I think he said in that, that uh, the something along the lines of the, the adulterer is like a rich man who steals. Right. Because he's been given everything already. Like he's been blessed so much by God. Right. But he's continuing to steal. Mm. Yeah. Which, I, which is a really good illustration. But, yeah. but that's yeah, what it Watson is. It's, is, self, yeah. it's just so self-seeking and ignoring right. of the gifts that God has given you. Right. And then and that's not even and that's not even taking into account uh when we talk about the preservation of the marriage relationship yeah. and as it applies to love. I mean, you can twist. I mean, if you're having an affair or you're watching pornography or whatever, you know, you can twist whatever thing you're going to twist. But what about those that are connected to you? Like, what about your children, your spouse? Uh, what about the life and soul of the of the other person? You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, that's involved in this. I mean, so again, I mean, the name of Christ. I mean, there's so many things at stake in this lust issue uh, that again. If you if you if you could just objectively step back and look at it, you would say this thing's poison through and through. Yeah. But, but the problem is, is folks get led around by their emotions and their passions and their, you know, well, anyway. Yeah. You want to yeah. hear a funny story as we transition into practical <laughs> advice? Sure. This is a true story. Jack, I could I could use a funny story right now. I could use a funny story. Here's yeah. the, the sermon like levity. Um, a few years ago, so we have like a little children's sermon at our church. So like for just a few minutes, the children will come up and and what and my one of my my son, he was quite a bit younger at the time. He was they were and I'm trying to remember they were talking about another guy. And he was like, Do you know what this guy is really good at in the church? They were talking about him. And this guy does like construction work and he like uh like demolition stuff. And somehow, I don't know where, but my son heard the term homewrecker and he connected that with, <laughs> with like construction, like tearing down a home. And they were, and in church, they were like, so, you know, so I won't say his name, but he said, you remember so-and-so and he, oh, what he's so good at? What is he so good at? 
and it was like being generous and thinking, my son was like he's a home wrecker <laughs> like <laughs> <he's> our church. <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it was oh, really man, funny that's funny <laughs> he was not a home wrecker brutal <laughs> right yeah. right I was like, I was like, well, let's hear the rest of the story. But every, everyone pro- knew it was, was a joke. Was this a prophetic like, utterance or what was this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knew it was a joke and it was so funny. And then he went through but, a third stage church discipline. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. no longer in the church. Yeah. Yeah. No. Son yeah. says that pastor points to the guy, you in my office now. <laughs> <laughs> like it's all serious. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so we did have in, in putting this together, uh, there's over the years, uh, I kind of like keep files and papers and shuffle things around. Um, there, this is just like several bullet points of practical advice. So we've gone through the theology of it. And it's not that the theology is not practical. The theology is where we get our practicality. Uh, but here's just a few things uh, that we put together, uh, a list that's compiled. Uh, these guys may have some things to add in. Uh, as well, but we would really like to just to close it uh, with a few a few talking points as we just as we deal with this this uh, lust issue. So, yeah. um, number one is that desire is an alarm. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I don't know you guys. You guys were in this. Were you guys in the Golden Eye, uh, Double Seven Golden Eye? Uh, generation. Oh, the proximity with the in the yeah. facility with the yeah. proximity. Marks. Yeah, within the facility with the proximity. I would, I would, I would take both of you out right now. Right, right. right. <laughs> you can think that, Jake. Slappers what? only. Yeah. Said, no. So you remember? <laughs> so you remember then uh, the dinging of the proximity mine? Oh yeah. But the, when you when you came to it, there was. Uh, this little warning, like you're getting ready to die, and yeah. the and in the moment of freaking out, that would you know when the proximity line, you know, my alarm started going off. You're ducking and trying to you know dive out of doorways and things like that. Uh, in <laughs> I was gonna say in much the same way, yeah, in I'm, I'm, very I'm, much I'm, the like, same way. I'm picturing like yeah. little N64 graphics of, I mean, right, no, right. no diving. They're more like. Yeah, Square, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> chopping backwards. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but desire is an alarm like that. Uh, that when you are in a situation and you begin to feel a sinful desire, that should be an alarm to you that something dangerous is happening. Yeah. Uh, again, action needs to be taken to avoid the collision. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, so I think so practically speaking, if there's someone in your life that for whatever reason, you have this spark of desire for stay away from that person. Yeah. Like, don't like, don't entertain that. Like you don't need to be jokey with the, the female coworker or the male coworker or whatever, you know, those things are like, uh, in this, this kind of thing happens in churches. It happens in, uh, community groups. It happens in workplaces. Danger is all around you friends. And we've said this before. You don't have to be looking for trouble. It's looking for you yep. and you need to be alert and you need to have your guard up. There's nothing more that Satan would love than to see a man of God or a man or a woman of God 
uh, stray from the path and bring reproach to the name of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about, I think in last episode, one of the reasons people fall into this is because it's like a gradual thing. It's these tiny little micro decisions of just letting things pass. Right. My advice to you, listener, would be to pray deeply and in and earnestly that God would reset that alarm in you because it could be mm. that you've gone on for so long ignoring these things that you've conditioned yourself to ignore them. Yep. Right. Right. You, where you're not you're not even hearing it. Like your your odd job walking walking around the corner <laughs> right. getting blown up. Right. 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 <laughs> um, so retune. Right. Retune your conscience in this sense. Yeah. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom to retune your conscience where the slightest thing. And this is this is where when it goes into the seriousness by which Jesus addresses addresses this and the seriousness by which you need to take the effort to remove these things in your life. Don't take anything right. for granted. Don't yeah. I'm going to say this three times in a row. Don't make assumptions about the goodness of your heart. Right. Don't make assumptions about the goodness. You don't make assumptions because you will assume Oh, it's no big deal. I've done this for five years. Oh, we yeah. work together all the time. Right, right. No, right. that's how, that's how it happens. It's just a little micro decision. If you retune your heart, ask yeah. the Lord to retune your heart, give it that sensitivity to it, to where the slightest right. desire sparks up. Yeah, you have the the wherewithal to look at it and say, Lord Jesus, give me help. This is wrong. Let me ask you this: Somebody comes to you and says, "Okay, I need a a, a heart root a retuning." How do you go about retuning the sensitivity of of the alarm? So prayer, which you mentioned, yep, I think is a is a big one. I mean, it's repentance. Uh, it's repentance your your yeah. your mind is renewed by the Word of God. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then I do think that there is like a a sub practical application here of um, like media fasting. So I think we've talked about this before kind of in our group because occasionally uh, us and some of our friends will just kind of go on media fast, you know, just getting, turning the TV off, getting off Facebook, getting off, you know, all these things and kind of just retuning, resetting, things like that. You know, what's amazing that I have found is like when you don't watch TV for like a month and then you turn the TV back on, what's the first thing you notice? Yep. All the things that you didn't yeah. notice when you turned it off. Like, you oh, notice the you notice the language, you notice the you notice the uh provocativeness, you notice the you mean even the advertising. I mean all these things they stand out in a way that's like, oh, because having been removed from it and having gone into scripture and having gone into seasons of prayer and things like that, it truly does reset your conscience. Yeah. Um, and it's important and it's important. I mean, we all know, I mean, I, when we were growing up, speaking of double seven golden eye, this, this friend that I had when I was in middle school, we used to, uh, all of me and my buddies, we used to go over to his house, uh, because he was one of our rare friends that had a TV in his room with a 64 with golden eye. And we'd play it for hours and hours and hours, but they lived about 10 feet from a train track. <laughs> <laughs> like outside of town. So it wasn't that the train was going slowly by. It was like the time when the trains going like 80, you know, like these freight trains sure. and it would shake their house. And so when we would stay the night over there, like me and my buddies were like, we cannot sleep these trains. It's like an earthquake every 10 yeah. minutes. It feels like, but my buddy to him, it was just, 
nothing. I mean, it just totally tuned out. Didn't mean anything. He was just used to it, you know? Yeah. In fact, he probably couldn't sleep very well if it wasn't for the trains, you know, busting yeah. by and things yeah. like that. So it's important to realize then that, uh, again, desire is an alarm uh, and appropriate steps uh, need to be taken. Yeah. Um, what Jack said about not assuming the good intentions of your heart or the goodness of your own heart kind of takes us into point two that you need to recognize that you are vulnerable and to say like that would never happen to me is so foolish. It is the yeah. dumbest thing that you can say. And it's just tempting. It's just, it's just baiting, uh, you know, I'm mentioning Satan a lot in this podcast. It, it, it tempts the demonic host. So, oh yeah, let's never could be you, huh? yep. you know? Yeah. Never, yeah. never could be you. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, Solomon, wisest man to ever live apart from Christ falls into sexual sin. David, God after man's own heart falls into sexual sin. Samson, total beefcake falls into God <laughs> or, you know, falls into sexual sin. You know, it's like, so again, I don't have the heart of David. I don't have the strength of Sam and Samson. I don't have the wisdom of Solomon. So how in the world can I say? No, I'll never, never be tempted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, utter yeah. folly. Never. I mean, um, yeah. There are certain sins I think people might be predisposed towards. Um, you know, like you got a history of alcoholism or something like that in your family. Be wise, obviously. But when you look at sins like this, um, Again, who among you have not lusted? Who among you have kept your eyes pure all the days of your lives? Even when you first met your spouse, if you're married at this point. I often joke with people and say it's lust at first sight, but that's typically how it goes is that initial physical attraction. And then you get married quickly so that way you can do it in a proper way. But my whole yeah. point with all this is just to say, if you think that you out of all people are going to remain unscathed, um, I have a timeshare to sell you. In I don't have a timeshare. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember the rest of that joke. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Grayson in his mind's running through his George Strait Rolodex. It's some in here somewhere. Yeah. I know this reference. Yeah. Um, we talked about, uh, or I guess the, the kind of the third uh, practical point uh what did we have for that watch your input, input. watch with right? your input yeah yeah i mean in, in, in every aspect go ahead jack i was gonna say you know i i think about this often because with my kids we were our age group because i'm i just turned 40 uh you guys are a few years younger than me but i grew up without smartphones like those became this idea of the modern smartphone and social media, like the, what it is today didn't happen until I was like in or just out of college. Right. So there's an element of, I didn't grow up in it with this constant bombardment of technology, which I think gives me a little bit of a perspective and maybe you guys too, because I remember what life was like without it. Yeah. Right. Which is this constant onslaught of stuff. And it makes me all the more maybe sensitive and aware of how difficult it can be for younger, younger kids. Right. Because oh, yeah. if, if you've grown up with, from the time you were eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 
with Instagram is the way that you communicate yeah. or Facebook is the primary way that you communicate. I think you do. I don't, man, I don't know. I just think it's so dangerous. I probably sound like a boom, like an old boomer. But well, so it's interesting that you mentioned that. But like, I, I was just gonna say reels and, and all these things that come out, you're just constant, like, and you can't even control it sometimes. Like, it's just right. like, this is what the algorithm thinks you could see. And, and as right. soon as it catches on wind that maybe you're lingering on some image, oh, here's 50 mm -hmm. more that we think you should right. see, you know, it's just right. like, man, like how difficult that is. Yeah. I, we're in a unique position, I think, with our kind of like age, like our generation, because it's what you said. We remember a time without those things, but we also understand those things. Yeah. So I would say like for the, for a large part, and this may not be true for everyone, but like our parents didn't understand not at all. the internet and I had no safeguards as a and, kid and any, like so, any, yeah. and any of those things. Um, and so our generation was kind of that, um, fully exposed <laughs> generation yeah. where, where, where the safeguard was your parents saying, oh, my kid wouldn't get into that. Yeah. You know? Well, I remember right. even as um, they were inventing all that stuff, um, they, they could never quite keep up with kids because the kids were right within minutes figuring out how to get around it. And that's just right. how it was. Right. You wouldn't even right, try right. to find pornography as a kid. You could be doing a book report and type in something right. on like yeah. the African sea slug. And all of a sudden now yeah. everything else pops up. Or, yeah. You're, yeah. You're something you're into yeah. like a whole different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was before the dark web uh, was so, even the dark web. It just was. What right. It was. it was just the web. It was the page web at the time. There are a bunch of people listening to this, but these guys, these guys are old. Yeah. yeah. No, but, 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 but the reality is so, Again, so I think we're like in a in a unique position where we understand the dangers of it, yeah, uh, and we can do a lot to help protect our kids. So, like, as a sidelight to this, if you have children, please do not be the parent whose only safeguard is, well, my kid wouldn't get into that. I mean, I'm telling you, they will. that is they're going to get into it's it. It's foolish. They will. It's foolish. Did you get? And I, did you get into it? Because you right. did. Right. And they're going right. to as well, you know. Exactly. So um, watching uh, our input, you know, kind of back to that, uh, you know, maybe there's just some things that you need to gouge out. And, and we and we mentioned that. Maybe, there, maybe you need to go through and say, I just need to get some of this stuff out of my life. Some of this uh, input, things on the internet, um, movies. Uh, you know, maybe you need to switch from a smartphone to a dumb phone. You know, they make um, actually pretty nice uh, – uh, what are those called? Not sim not simplified phones. Um, but they're like literally just texting a camera. That's what know. we have for my yeah, oldest. But they're like very a... like, but they're very like streamlined, like nice. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and you know, so it's like, maybe you need to, maybe you just need to jump into some of that. Maybe you need to, uh, you know, look into some accountability software. Now, again, accountability software is only as good as uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good speed bump. Yeah. But, if you want around it, you can probably get around. Yeah, it, you know? was well, it jo uh, Josh Duggar? You know, the whole thing was different. What's that? Yeah. Well, I was just going to use an example. Josh Duggar, the Duggar guy. 
Yeah. Like apparently, and I, you know, I watched that document that came out, but apparently he had all these safeguards on his computer, but he was savvy enough where he went and created a partitioned hard drive and got like, right. if sure. you want to, yeah. you'll get around it. Yeah. Like if right. your heart is right. sick enough, you will get around yeah. it. So, and by the way, level- if you're creating partitioned hard drives, you're in it deep already. <laughs> like, yes. Absolutely. Like, like seek help, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause those things are is- It's just basically that. I mean, any one of these things are going to be just a roadblock for you in the end. It has right. to, it has to actually come from a place of wanting it to be done. Yes. And yeah. the responsibility and the accountability fall on you. Right. Yes. Uh, because that's another, because that's another kind of like a dark little twist to this, like, especially with like accountability partners and things like that. I've heard so many people, you know, go into sin and then they get caught in it. And then their reaction is instead of repenting, they blame others, even like their accountability part. Well, you didn't check in with me enough. It's like, dude, that's, that's on you. That's not on, that is not on your software. That is not on your accountability partner. Like ultimately all of these things are practical advice, but if you blow past this practical advice, then yeah, whose, whose fault is that? So we, we do have to keep that in mind. Yeah. 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 You're you're completely, this is, I say really quick, this is, I think we got a lag here a little bit. So I apologize if you listen to this and it's, we're like interrupting each other a lot. I think there's a little bit of a lag, but there's, I'm reminded of a guy I know who committed adultery and when he was confessing the whole thing, started off the whole, the whole like discussion with, well, my wife and I haven't been intimate in a long time. So you can see where this is going, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh my goodness. I don't care what your spouse is not doing. You yeah. have the personal responsibility to up to uphold your own integrity and do the right thing. Right. Because is, then what do you say to the single brother or the single sister? Yeah. You know. It's like, yeah. okay, well, they don't have a they don't have a spouse to fulfill those things. So is it okay for them to just run? So did right. you just get up and smack the guy in the middle of that, Jack? Or that I it seems like but it seems like the appropriate Yeah. The appropriate yeah. Wow. Soccer quarters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This, utterly foolish speech. this is the fifth step in church discipline. <laughs> Let's see a uh, sack of Valencia oranges because it won't leave no bruises. <laughs> All right. So to recap, because we're this is my fault, but I'll get us yeah. back on here. So number one, desire is an alarm. Number yeah. two, recognize you are vulnerable. Number three, watch your input. Be aware of what you're taking in. Um, accountability software. We were touching on this. Um, it, it's not embarrassing. It may feel embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It shows if you're really engaging in it, it's a wonderful thing. I love it when I hear a brother say, Hey, I got covenant eyes because it's, yeah. it's your heart intending to please God. Like you're, right. you're stepping out in faith. Hey, this might be a little bit embarrassing, but I care more about my sanctification and my honoring of Christ and my wife than I do my, my lust. Yeah. And that's an honorable so. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about uh, one other, one other, one other quick thought yeah. on this. So that Watson book, I was reading this today. That's why it's like fresh in my oh, mind. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what Watson said on the seventh commandment about plays? No. <laughs> this is what he said. <laughs> I so don't apparently remember. this was a big, <laughs> big deal back then. Yeah. I underlined this. I was going to share this with you guys. So he said, yeah. so he's given his own list. So there's like, he gives like 10 ways to, right. you know, not to avoid adultery. And he says, number seven, beware of going to plays. A playhouse isn't often a preface to a whorehouse. And he goes on from there. <laughs> I, know. I mean, like what plays were going on? <laughs> what was, I can, I although can I, I, I thought that, and then I, 
I know. Well, I thought that, and I was like, wow, what was going on back then? I'm like, well, probably I, I grew up going in, on now with the movie I grew theater. Up doing musicals and theater, and I can tell you, those people are, I mean, they are very loving. We'll just say it that way. Um, there's a lot of promiscuity that floats around in that whole crowd of within theater. Right. The, the thespian community appreciates the thespians, yes. Yeah, well, so. I mean, if you had, if you're a Christian and you're a thespian, I think you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're getting yeah, out, no, I've, I've at least into a secular too. place where it's there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so apparently plays are, but I think the the point being like, don't it goes to the the general heart thing. There is input, right? Yeah. What right. are you putting in that's tempting you to right. do something else? Right. I, I think it, it could be along the same lines of, I mean, I don't know. This is maybe this is like throwing a 2002 or something, but I mean, it could be the same thing. It's like a club, you know, yeah. where you could like, yeah. well, I'm just going to the club to, you know, just to dance or whatever somebody yeah. might say, but it's like, well, but what else is, what yeah. else is going on? What can develop out of that? What's happening around what's, I mean, considering the environment and your testimony and all of these things, I mean, that's all important stuff to take in. Number, number eight. That was number seven. Number eight is take heed of mixed dancing. No. He flat out calls out dancing. <laughs> Watson but again, does not approve any dance. But yeah, is he wrong? I'm not saying he is. Sorry. Right. I'm just saying that's that was on his list. Was so here's something really dancing. weird. Yes. Let me hit you with this. Okay. So this may this may actually speak to our desensitization in our society. Yeah. Okay. Because the school that I went to that shall go unnamed, but you brothers know where it was. Okay. The college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the college that I went to very, very strict. Okay. And, uh, very like, if you even thought about like holding a girl's hand or something, you would be, I mean, the, you'd probably, you, you could get thrown out, you know? I mean, it was, it was that intense. Um, I remember, so as you're walking through, I mean, there's thousands of thousands of kids and like you go like through the cafeteria and stuff like that. Um, do you see like a couple sitting across from each other and they're just like, you can just, I mean, beat red, just. They both enamored. take it off. It's like, their, their toes yeah, are. no, no, seriously. So, <laughs> so you can, so then you see like, you know, reach across like, Oh, you know, touching hand, like just barely brushing my hand. And it's like, and it's this thing that you can tell. It's like, okay. There's something weird. And we, and we used to call it making eye babies, you know, that there were, you know, they were just like staring at each other all creepily and all this stuff, you know? And, uh, it was like, Oh, somebody's making eye babies over there. Uh, and just that little, like just that little point of contact, um, that there was strangely a sexualness about it, you know, that, that you recognized as a student, you recognized it and you could see it in them. They recognized it. You know, so to say then, so then to take that and say, mixed dancing, why not? All right. Yeah. You know, why Thomas not? Watson home run again. Yeah. He's dead on. Yeah. Yeah. I never said he was wrong. So my, my, Jack's crawled down, you know, the Presbyterian shuffle. Hey, I mean, yeah, I'm against mixed dancing too. I don't know. Well, <laughs> put it this way. Even. Um, you're a, a married man or a woman. And you walk into a room while your spouse is dancing with a member of the opposite sex. What's your first reaction? Nah, bro. Right? Oh yeah, it's like yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah no. But there's <laughs> right, right. like there's there's something not good there. So 
and everybody in, yeah, innately yeah. recognizes it. What people hear is they say, oh, dancing, how can you be so, you know, that's that old fundamentalist Baptist, you know, no dancing type right. thing. Um, but at the end of the day, there is a level of intimacy implied in some ways with that, especially depending on yeah. the type of dancing. But Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I haven't danced since my wedding, so, yeah. That, I don't okay. know, I'm not like bragging. I just can't dance at all. <laughs> Yeah, Man, Jack's really, really working hard to convince us that he's against dancing. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. My purity level is really high, guys. I haven't yeah. danced. Yeah. I grounded my children the other day for tapping their toes to a hymn we were singing. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, practical anyway. advice. Yes, number Wait, four. There will be no rhythm in this house. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I had the well, last yeah. one. Number four, though. That's yeah. right. Uh, dressing thoughtfully. Uh, so this often means then for men and women to dress against fashion. Um, you have to ask, like, this is a whole nother thing. This could be a whole nother podcast episode. Um, there is a, there is a uh, theme in fashion, which we all understand, to dress sexy. Now, why then? So we have to ask ourselves this question then. So if I want to dress sexy why do i want to dress that way and and again it's addressing a heart issue uh when a woman or a man uh, desires to dress provocatively they're usually not saying their desire is usually not well i'm looking for my for my husband or i'm looking for my my wife um the the guy that you are attracting by dressing sleazy is not the guy that you want to marry. Um, after all, yeah. Jesus is telling the guy that you want to marry to pluck out his own eye rather than look at you lustfully. Yep. So there's something to keep in mind there. Uh, there's only power in sexiness. If your aim is to hook a man by his groin instead of his godliness, I think Piper is the one that, that said that. Um, and that's not the way that you want to find uh, a husband. Mm -hmm. And so immodest address then is often not about pure things, but it's about ego. Um, I continuously am looking for compliments and when I get one, it feeds my ego. And so I want to get more and I, I crave more attention. Um, and that's not just unique to, uh, women. That's not just no. a, a woman thing, but it's deeply it's deeply human. Um, it's very near the core of what makes us fallen sinners. Um, the Pharisees. Can they I, can live I for really the quick? approval. Can What's I interject that? really quick and just say, yeah. people get hung up on this thing that like, well, women, I, women are like, I should be able to dress however I want. It's the guys like, what, you know, that whole dumb argument. Yeah, right. That's the stupidest argument. Right. That is the dumbest yeah. argument. Stop trying to justify your sin. That is that that is a that, the way you dress and the way you're you're both responsible, men and women. Like, right. like you're both responsible. I had you to, can't control what other people are going to do, but you should be doing your part to help each other. I had right. to hand it to a completely ungodly woman one time where um, I was watching all sorts of debates happening online in the Christian circles and particular groups in that, where the whole debate over leggings and spandex and everything else is coming out again. And 
people yeah. are taking their sides and dividing on it. And then I actually watched a, a woman on a completely separate post was like, I know why I wear this. And it's purely because I want to, I like the looks that I get from the men that I get. And I'm like, you're at least honest. You, you have the actual fortitude to at least be honest about what you're doing and you know it. And I think that's the reality when, if you want to talk about uh, provocative dress and all these different things and say, well, modesty is really subjective or there's not, um, there's not a quantifiable line that you can draw that I should abide by. It's like, you know what? You have principles in scripture and I've, I've never found a woman who dresses immodestly that also has a modest heart. You'll just never find the yeah. same things. Right. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're internally debating, where's that line? Right. Could I wear this? Yeah. Could I cross the line if I do this? You're fundamentally having the wrong discussion in your head. Oh yeah. There's that old illustration the, 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 where a guy pushes a glass of water towards the edge of the table. And I mean, you can say that with respect to any sin, right? But the more right. and more he gets closer to the edge of the table, the guy across finally stops and says, what are you doing? But that's the, the goal with it is to get close and close to the edge. If your goal is to get as close as you can to the edge, I mean, recognize um, you've already lost the battle, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. It, please, it goes, please continue. No, I mean, it's, it, it goes through, you don't often, uh, you don't often associate, uh, you know, skanky dress with the Pharisees, but there's a, but there's a root kind of commonality there. Okay. The Pharisees lived for, I mean, Jesus says that the Pharisees lived for the approval and praise of men. Yeah. Uh, and he called it one of the most deadly dispositions in the world that mm -hmm. it is damning to the soul to live for the approval of, of men. And so if you're dressing in such a way to draw on the lustful eyes of men or women, in in some way you're 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 doing a pharisaical kind of thing. Yeah. You don't care about what what God has to say about it. Uh what you care about is that human praise uh that you desire so intensely. Yeah. Um so instead of looking for outside approval and compliments, what we can do is look to scripture. Um I think particularly uh in Romans uh, it explains the inward nature of true faith and says his praise is not from man, but from God. Hmm. Um, and that's when you're, when you're picking out the clothes that you're wearing, um, to ask that simple question, is this pleasing to man or is it pleasing to God is going to take you a long way in yeah. the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number five watch your circumstances. So I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, yeah. but don't, don't get into a circumstance to give yourself the opportunity to right. fall into it. Yeah. Right. It, in the simple example, because social media is so prevalent. If you find yourself staring at Instagram reels or stories or whatever they call them, if that's a thing, delete Instagram, right? Yep. Like you don't need if, it. You, you don't, don't need it. it. If Facebook is yeah. a problem. Delete Facebook. Or your life. You live without you, internet. Your life. Yeah, delete. There you go. Get rid of the internet if you like. Your life is not going to be better because of that. You will right. inevitably entertain yourself to hell. Like this is radical, and it sounds weird to say that social media is radical amputation, but the levels of addiction that people have with this stuff, right? Like that's radical amputation. Get rid of it. Get rid yeah. of the internet. Throw yeah. away your DVDs. 
have yeah. an old fashioned '90s Christian movie book and movie CD burning or whatever. You know, yeah. make a bonfire yeah. of your. You know what? We don't have CD. CD burnings. That's what's wrong with Christian culture. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. It, I'm gonna go buy like a corn this. CD just I mean, so I can burn it. Right. <laughs> think of it like this in one sense too. Um, you have the man that Christ literally says, "What does it gain or profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? How much less are we content to lose our soul over?" When it comes to things like this, yeah. right? How many stories are worth? Instagram stories are worth your soul, right? Is that TikTok just, video really worth? Yeah, that six-second TikTok video really worth the condemnation of your soul to eternal hell, right? Or even like even for the believer, like just the reproach of Christ and the misery Absolutely, that sin yeah. brings the believer. Absolutely, also, yeah. you know, um, yeah. I I think I love what. Solomon says in Proverbs 7, because we're talking about circumstances, and there's just this little detail when it's talking about the the foolish kid that gets caught up with the prostitute and all that stuff. In verse 6 uh, of Proverbs 7, Solomon says, for at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice. So I was kind of giggle at that. It's like Solomon being a creeper, like neighborhood watch, like what's going on over here? And I've seen among the simple... I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. So Solomon says, so I see this idiot coming down the street, right? Passing along the streets near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dresses a prostitute, wily heart, so on and so forth, right? This dude walks down this, in this particular neighborhood, down this particular street by her house. And then she comes out to meet him. So like this whole thing of his circumstances and his surroundings, he puts himself there. Like he, he could have taken another way home. He could have taken a different street. He could have taken whatever, but instead he just walks into, uh, the mouth of the lion, if you will. Um, I wonder, again, how careless we are with our circumstances. How careless are you with your friendships? How careless are you with your contact? Um, we, my, my brother and I, who, who's a pastor also, uh, we always uh, talk about your, your basic Billy Graham principles, right? Because Billy Graham was like, I don't know, other people have done this in the past, but Billy Graham had this principle, I will not meet with a woman alone. Yep. You know, and we have always, my, my brother and I, we have always put that into place. Yeah. Always. Because it's just not worth it. It's not worth any false accusations. It's not worth the temptation. And so to be able to safeguard, um, you know, like things like hugging, like I don't, I'm not a hugger. I hug my wife yeah. and my children and that's it. I don't hug anybody yeah. else, you know? And there's people like, even as a pastor, there's people who are like, Oh, let me give you a hug. And I'm like, no. Not a hugger. Why? It's just because it's not worth any temptation. It's not worth any uh, whatever. And you know, people you know can think you're weird for that or whatever, but they'll get over it. Yeah, but I'm not walking down the street toward the prostitute's house. You know. Yeah. So, watching your circumstances, I think, is important, and I think that's something that each person has to assess for themselves. You know, and what that yeah. might look like. Um, I do think there is some room for conscience in that as well. Yeah. Um, yep. But, you know, think about it. Number six, think about the consequences 
we talked about this. You can lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can lose everything in sexual sin. Yeah. I think some of you can lose in your the past said consequential thinking is, is wrong headed. And I actually think it's, it's really good to think through the consequences ahead of time um, with any sin, but this sin in particular, I mean, Blake, you were just about to yeah. go ahead and list off all sorts of different things you could lose. <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, but we know people like yep. we know people who have lost yep. spouses, children, ministries, jobs, homes, families, communities. I mean, I mean, when we say you can lose everything, we literally mean you can lose everything. And, and for what, you know, uh, I think this is important to remember when it comes to, uh, even taking a step back with the circumstance thing, you have so much to lose that you need to be careful, you know, um, and even if you perceive yourself as not having much to lose, maybe you don't have a spouse, maybe you don't have children, maybe you hate your job, you know, or whatever. It's there is still then there is still consequences that can be life destroying uh, for sin, and so it's not it's not only about the things that you can lose, but that is an aspect of it. Yeah. Um. Another point of practical advice then is that if you are married, so if you're not married and you're struggling with lust, what is Paul's solution for you? Get married. To get married, right? Now, marriage does not solve the lust problem. Marriage does not clean up and kill your pornography addiction or anything like that, okay? What the Bible says is that marriage is the proper outworking of sexual um, passion, but those sin areas need to be dealt with. Okay. So you kind of got that double, double handed thing going on there. Yeah. Um, so then the, so then the thought is, and if you are married, um, satisfying one another in marriage, and this is a whole message in and of itself. Um, it doesn't mean that marriage is all about sex, but that is an aspect of marriage yeah. from the very beginning. I mean, from creation, that has been an aspect of marriage. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 5, again, 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow into the streets, should your stream of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving dove, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Hmm. So what is the proper outworking of the sexual relationship? It is in marriage, which again, we've yeah. talked about extensively. Yep. Yeah. Number eight. I think this is a really big one in terms of just practical things to do. Mm-hmm. Accountability. Be open with someone, have someone ask you regularly how you're doing. This goes beyond software. It's, it's maybe it's your pastor, it's your elders, yeah. invite them. This is, this is huge. This is really huge. Sin will, this sin in particular, this type of sin loves to fester in the secret. 
Right. That's what it wants to do. That's why people make excuses and go to hide it and whatever ends it to justify it, right? It wants right. to be secret. And one of the most effective things you can do is spill it. Mm -hmm. Be completely honest. Get help. Um, tell someone else that you trust. Um, I, many years ago, I wrote an article on this. And, um, and I still believe it. So maybe this, this could be its own podcast episode actually. <laughs> um, but should your wife be your primary accountability partner? Mm. Um, I think it's a, it, it's not for everyone. Uh, my wife is my primary accountability partner. We mm -hmm. talk, we talk regularly, yep. uh, some marriages that doesn't work, but for us, I found it to be incredibly powerful and effective. Mm. It's not always easy, right? Like it's not a fun thing, but it, it's a, it's an effective method. Hmm. Um, so if not your wife, somebody, your pastor, your elder, uh, a brother in Christ, it doesn't need to be your buddy, Joey, who you work out with, who doesn't know the Lord. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 What's know. the big problem? My guy. What's the big deal? Yeah. Yo, I don't yeah, know. Right. Exactly. Why are you telling me about yeah, this? Put some more plates on. Put some more plates on. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. Doesn't you know, need to um, be him. If you've ever read, uh, <laughs> finally free by a uh, Heath Lambert, which is like a really, really good book on um, lust and really overcoming lust with the powers of grace and things like that. Um, he has a section and I wish I would have, I wish I would have grabbed it uh, before we started recording, uh, but he has a section on what real accountability is. Uh, and that is worth, it's worth reading. I think he's got like eight points hmm. uh, that it goes so beyond just telling someone Yep. Uh, but that he, but he specifies, you know, that someone, that someone that has authority in your life, for example, yeah. uh, someone that can actually speak into your life, uh, and that you respect, uh, is key, uh, to, uh, accountability and things like that. And so, um, I would highly recommend that book finally free, uh, by, uh, Heath Lambert's mm -hmm. very, very good. Um, if you're on this issue and it's a, it is a very, um, digestible book. It's, it's relatively small. And has really good practical advice. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, you just need to run away. You know. Uh, sometimes there's just no, uh, particularly in a an extreme um, exposure situation. I mean, what what do you do if someone just comes on to you? You know. Yeah. Uh, or if, you know, or if something, you know, pops up on your computer or something. I mean, there, there's sometimes there is not the opportunity to say, well, I'm going to sit and I'm going to think through this and work through. Sometimes you just need to run away. I mean, what does, what does Joseph do with Potiphar's wife? Yeah. He doesn't stand and try to reason with it. He doesn't stand and try to argue. I mean, he literally runs. He just runs away. Um, now I've got my own thoughts of why he runs, but we can get into that maybe another another time. Um, I think there might have been some temptation there, and that's why he runs. But possibly, interesting. So maybe. you're just engaging yeah. in eisegesis there. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where'd you draw that one out from the text? Let me tell now? you what the let me tell you what the secret meaning of the text is. Yeah. Let me tell you what it's Joey the, told me this text. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> when he, you know, Joey just told me put some more plates on and pot of his wife. Yeah, no. But, uh, but that so, advice is good because there are times where that actually happens. I mean, yeah. People and think we're commanded to flee 
useful, uh, youthful lusts and things like that. And sometimes yep. the the issue is just leaving. Yep. Yeah. You know. Sometimes I mean, David the on the rooftop should have just turned heel and just booked it back into the palace. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't. You know. Um, but we do see again, like with Joseph and Potiphar's wife, it's just a running, you know, running out situation. Yeah. And lastly, number 10, relying on God. Um, this may sound cliche, but it's, it's just the reality of the matter in that if you're going to see victory over sin in your life, um, strongholds of sin are conquered by the spirit that you can put in as many external um, roadblocks as you would like, but ultimately inward change comes not simply through habits, but through a changed heart, um, which is changed by the spirit of God. Galatians 5, 16, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, friends, if I think particularly as singles, cause I, I, I feel like I got married kind of late. I got married when I was 24 and that's not late for some people, but it felt really late for me. Right. Like I wanted to be married. Like when I was like 16, well, you went to like a Bible college, like yeah. everyone gets married. Yeah. At- right. Yeah. Right. Like everybody was like dibs, dibs, <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. Whoa, wait, what's going on? You know? So, you know, I was like, you know, I was like 24. I was like, man, I'm and leading up to that. I was like, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to married. I'm going to die sad and alone and poorly dressed, you know, just, it's just going to be terrible. Um, I have a heart for singles because I know it's difficult. Like the waiting is difficult. Uh, particularly when you don't have in like from your earthly eyes that you don't have any prospects. Like I was like attending a small church in Oregon, you know, um, the Western side of Oregon. It's like, there wasn't any, like the nearest single, my age was like 30 years older than me, you know? <laughs> and so like, it was like this whole thing. Like when you look at it in my situation, looking at it, I thought, I'm, this is never going to happen. Like I'm out of school now. It didn't happen when I was in school. There's no prospects at my church. So I'm just, I'm just going to be alone. Um, some of the best advice that I ever got in that time period of waiting was um, while you were waiting for your spouse, d- assuming you don't have the, 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 uh, the gift of singleness that you desire to get married and all of these things that you need to pursue Christ in such a way that you become a person uh, that the king would give his daughter or his son to, hmm. you know, I think, I think about like as a parent and we've talked about this, though it was a while ago um, because we all have sons and daughters. One of the most fearful things for me is who am I going to hand my daughters off to? Yep. You know, like that's scary. Yeah. And so I hope that that young man will be someone who has cultivated a godly spirit and would be someone that I would hand my daughter off to with confidence. Hopefully he's a listener and follower of the chorus in the chaos. Podcast too, because <laughs> right. Then, then he <laughs> Which, would 
the age of my children, that would make you like six years old. Why aren't you in bed right now? Yeah, right, but right. it also implies, I mean, this podcast will be going for at least another 12 to 13 years. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So. That was a prophetic promise, my Presbyterian prophecy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a homewrecker. <laughs> yeah. That's stuck in my mind forever now, Jack. It was really yeah. funny. Yeah. You can use that as a sermon example at some point. It's right. Very true. Very funny. I but, might do yeah. that. I might just force it into the text next week. <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but listen to this. Yeah. Right. Everybody's like, huh? These little, pre these Presbyterian kids are wild. <laughs> yeah. But no, Blake, you're dead on. If, if you're single and you're in that difficult stage of waiting, I mean, I remember being there. I remember thinking, cause I graduated, I went to a Christian school. Right. I graduated without and like everyone was married and I wasn't right. I ended up meeting my wife that summer. But I remember, um, <laughs> have you, you seen that being, meme, that meme of Napoleon dynamite and kick <laughs> like, me and my buddy leaving, yeah. <laughs> leaving Bible college. Yeah. That was a total waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was Kip. I, yeah, right. when I graduated, I was Kip, but I, but I, I remember that hard season. It's really difficult. Yeah. It's really hard because you're just alone with your thoughts. Like, I'm just going to die alone and sad. Right. That's what's going right. to happen. Um, but it's, it's great advice, Blake. Be the person that the king would want to give his son or daughter to. Like, right. Work on your, like, work on yeah. purity. Work on what right. this means. Because and, then, and, and then trust the Lord with that. Like, that's the yeah. hardest. I, and I know it's so cliche. And if you're single, you're probably rolling your eyes. Like, yes, everybody says that. Uh, but you can trust the Lord. Like, if you can trust the Lord with your eternal soul, you can trust him with this much smaller thing, which is bringing in uh, the right spouse at the right time, like with yeah. his timing. Yeah, it's a level of faith. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a, our church is, it's built and such, but there's like odds and ends that aren't being finished. And there's a, there's like an extra bathroom where we're adding some tile. Mm -hmm. And for like two months, there's been this tile saw that's just kind of been pushed in the corner. No one's using it. So it's just like <laughs> in there. And at the last elder meeting, I was like, what, so what's going on with that? elder saw and one of the other elders was like well i'm leaving it in there because i think someone might want to come by and just cut tile and put it up there and i thought to myself i wish i had that level of faith like yeah. <laughs> yeah. i have so much faith that i'm just right. if i leave a tile saw in a bathroom someone will come in and cut it and attach yeah. it to the wall do you but feel that, like you need to go put that tile in now jay i'm a little convicted yeah right. but <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm airing like, this out for you can probably answer to someone else's <laughs> prayer right now, Jack. Yeah, I bet I you Jack's going to see that and come up to me and ask me, why is this tile saw here? And then the slow <laughs> fade of conviction would just start to happen. Right, right. Six months and bathroom's done. And that floor will be done. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah, but have, the, have that level of faith. Have the kind of faith that God will honor that. The kind of faith that would put a tile saw in a bathroom believing that someone will come by like it's being silly, obviously, but have the kind of faith, trust the Lord of the universe to honor that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Final guys, any, yeah. We got through all the points. Um, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Yeah. I, don't, I think we got it. That's pretty, pretty good. I think, I think we got all the, the big points. Grayson, any, any closing thoughts? No. Um, I, I, by this point, with three episodes in, I think we've we've fairly covered it fairly well. I mean, there's obviously much more that can be said on the topic, but um, right. just literally look at it as a life or death issue. 
if you are struggling with lust at this point. And I don't say that flippantly, I'm not saying it even casually, um, but the reality is that it is poison to you and it's a slow yeah. functioning or not functioning, but a slow rolling out of that poison where you don't necessarily notice all the while that you're dying. But that's in essence what this sin will do is that it just will yeah. bring you to a point where you're either crippled or you're, you find yourself in the grave. Um, I mean, there's a reason why all these warnings are given throughout scripture, but the big thing is don't focus purely on the negative aspect of it. Focus on the positive aspect of it. The put offs and put ons have to go together. If you're only going to be condemning yourself, you'll never get past this sin. Um, but you need to have proper shame too. And so look at it as a both and you have to have the shame of it, but you also have to have Jesus. And that's why the good news of the gospel is so good is because we're all sinners and we all sin daily without even recognizing it. But you have no hope of repenting of these sins either. Unless for one, he makes you aware of it. For two, you come to him. And for three, he removes it from you. So in every which way yeah. you have to pursue Christ. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we've, I think I mentioned this last time, but you know, uh, putting into practice gratitude, uh, gratitude destroys all kinds of sin, but it, it has particular power over lust hmm. uh, because lust is just that clawing for that thing, which you do not have uh, that thing that you passionately desire or whatever the case may be. And that practicing gratitude and thankfulness toward God uh, actually is the antidote to lust and coveting. So, Amen. Yeah. That's all, all right. I got. Tap That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us talk for three and a half hours about lust. If you've done that, <laughs> um, that's a long time. We should time. send wow. you a badge. Yeah. You if should. You, if you've made it all the <laughs> way through. Yeah. Yeah. So we roll genuinely... off some, uh, the course in the chaos, lust expert badges or something. <laughs> Who's going to wear that? That's weird. Is that like a, is that like the scarlet letter? <laughs> <laughs> that was a dumb joke. Um, no, but genuinely, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the chorus in the chaos, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. And uh, maybe I can talk Grayson or Blake into a bonus episode between now and then. I don't know. I'll twist some Ooh. arms. Well, I have to get a new mic. See now, what I can so do. I've got a convenient yeah. excuse. I'm working on a. I'm working on an extensive piece about the moral implications of returning your grocery card. So. <laughs> I'm here. For I'm going to lose sleep over that tonight. <laughs> <laughs>